and welcome to Quarter Time Podcast in partnership with Carbon Jacked. I'm Lucy G. And I'm Lucy P. And we're here to bring you all the netball goodness you never knew you needed. We're delighted to say that this series of Quarter Time Podcast is supported by Carbon Jacked, an environmental startup that helps you combat climate change. They are an awesome company that provide monthly memberships which plant trees, support epic climate projects and help you to reduce your carbon footprint. Memberships start from just £2.50 per month so you can help save the planet for less than a cup of coffee. Signing up is super easy. Go to carbonjacks.com and enter NetballPod for a huge 30% off. The link is in our show notes. Go check it out. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the latest episode of Quarter Time Podcast. Well, Luce, that is it. 2022 over and out. The biggest no. Vitality Netball Super League season is now over. Can you believe it? Oh, I cannot. I cannot. What a week it was. Yeah, you can say that again. I mean, semi-finals, finals, all of them were a journey of discovery. They were wild. They were roller coaster. Mm. It's, yeah, what a way to end the season. I know. It was a fitting end to an amazing season of VNSL for sure. So Luce, what's coming up on the show today? So as we've just had the minor occasion of the VNSL finals, we're going to do things a little bit differently for this episode. Today, we're going to briefly run through the results from the semis and the finals and round up all of the head coach transfer news, of which there is lots. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to be joined by everyone's favourite netball analyst. Of course, it's Tamsin Greenway. We're going to be taking a detailed look at how all 11 teams have performed throughout the 2022 season. And we're going to dive right into those crucial final matches to look at some of the key stats and talking points. Get ready, folks. This is going to be a great one. Oh, amazing. I'm so excited for this one. So to take a look back at the results from this weekend, first the semi-finals, Thunder versus Bath, with Thunder taking the win 64 to 54, and then Lightning versus Pulse, with Lightning taking the win 56 to 44. I think the results we kind of expected from those two games, but nevertheless, very interesting, and just two sides were clearly the better sides on the day. Yeah, for sure. And I think for both the semis and the finals, I was kind of in a a bit of a battle with myself. My head wanted one thing, my heart wanted another. Mm. But yeah, I think I think the right teams won on the day. Yeah, for sure. And then moving on to the finals in that third, fourth place playoff, we had Bath versus Pulse with such a low scoring game. This I was wild. Uh, but Bath took a narrow win, 36 to 32. That last quarter was six goals to Pulse, four goals to Bath for the whole quarter. Absolutely insane. Oh, yeah. Absolute turnover town for that one. Right. And then, of course, we had the big one. It was the grand final, Thunder versus Lightning. And this did end up being a really, really good battle, despite the heartbreak of the first couple of minutes. But Thunder came away undefeated for the entire season, winning 60 to 53. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was an amazing final. Definitely one to go down in the history books, I think. Yeah, for sure. It's just, it's that grit and determination and resilience, I think, from Lightning that impressed me most, as well as Thunder's undefeated 
mm. season, of course. Yeah, they just both kept leveling up, I think, in that game, really gave mm. it their all. Yeah. We should also give a really quick mention that the ANZ finals are happening this weekend. And also the SSN is ramping up towards the end of the season mm. as well. It's all happening, Luce. <laughs> there has also been some pretty big drama down under with the grand final now being played in Perth. Can you believe this? And not the home venue of the minor premiers as usual. Honestly, like the, the whole, all of that drama, I felt like that Simpsons meme where Homer just like disappears into the back of the bush, <laughs> just watching it all unfold in front of me. I was like, Ooh. yeah, <laughs> I think it's not so much about the actual decision because it's, it's a common thing for sports to do to sell off the rights to a final, but it's the timing of the announcement. I mean, with just a few weeks to go, it's not on, is it not on? Yeah, absolutely atrocious. For sure. If you've missed any of this, there's been some great commentary on social media about that. So do check that out as well. Yeah. I mean, I could talk about that forever, but we'll move <laughs> we swiftly on. We could start on. another podcast about that <laughs> saga. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but just some other news to bring you up to date. Uh, in terms of player retirements, we've had Katie Harris from Stars, uh, Kim Borger and Rachel Shaw from Bath. I think that's all that's happened at the moment, although I suspect mm-hmm. there's going to be a few more incoming over the next few weeks and months. And we are now at a total of five Super League head coaches to part in their clubs. So here's just a quick recap of the ones that we know have been replaced. So first up is Anna Stembridge at Team Bath, who's being replaced by Asha Francis, who's on the current coaching squad. Uh, next is Tracy Robinson at Leeds Rhinos, who's being replaced by Liana Leota on a three-year contract, which I think is fantastic. We've also got Mel Mansfield, who's leaving Wasps. Melissa Bessel departing stars. Neither of those have been announced just yet, so watch this space. But the big one for me is Cat Rap the Parlour at Mavericks being replaced by Camilla Buchanan, with Tamsin Greenway joining the franchise as well as head of strategic performance. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah, that is huge. And more on that coming up later. It's just been... An insane number of changes, all of those head coach changes, but also the people that we've, you know, that are replacing them is massive and still two more positions to fill. We haven't even got mm. to the signing window yet. I know. And there's already there's so much news. After the break, we break down the 2022 season for all 11 teams and take a look at the VNSL finals with none other than the incredible Tams and Greenway. Join the likes of Tamsin Greenway, Gia Ebenethy, and us to become a Carbon Jacked member and combat climate change. It's just £2.50 per month and you'd be doing your bit and helping to protect the planet. We really think that netballers can make a difference and so do Carbon Jacked. That's why they support this podcast. They're helping England netball plant trees for goals scored in the Vitality Netball Super League and our Netball Scotland sustainability partner. Go to carbonjack.com to become a member today and use Netball Pod for 30% off. Link is in the show notes. It is amazing to welcome back the legend that is Tamsin Greenway. Welcome back to the pod. How are you? Hi, guys. Yeah, it's been a while. Thank you for having me. 
So before we dig into the epic final series, we wanted to take a look at the season as a whole and how each of our 11 Super League teams have performed. It's been a bit of a roller coaster, I'll be honest with you. There's been so much going on in the Super League. So we're going to start today looking at seven stars at the bottom of the table. There was so much hype around the New Zealand duo being back in action together, as well as the signings of some of the individuals who perhaps weren't getting that much court time at other clubs, people like Summer Artman, Michelle Drain. And I think it's fair to say that they did not quite meet our expectations in terms of performance. Obviously, Kat being injured was completely unavoidable. But do you think there was almost too much pressure sitting on those big names? Yeah, and I I think... What you have to remember when you when you bring any players in is it it takes time to build connections. So stars had um, have and have got heaps of potential. There are individual players in there that you've spoken about that you know on paper are so skillful, are full of flair, are really exciting players. Um, but getting that right right blend is always a difficulty. I think they um, look. Everybody's had issues this year with COVID and injuries and, and illnesses. Um, how long Cat was out for and how long it took them to get back was always going to be difficult for them mm. um, because, you know, we've, we've seen them this season. They've pushed teams and they've had great quarters, but consistently pulling in that 60 minutes was, was tough for them at times. And it probably goes to show, and I think you find a lot of these teams that have missed out on that top eight or have missed out on challenging for that top four, just where you need just enough experience with just enough youth to get you over the line or just enough talent. And I think they've had to swap and change around positions. I think it took a while for them to find out where everybody sort of sat. Did they have enough time to always get comfortable? And I think that's always difficult when you're chasing games. So yeah, it's been an intriguing season watching it. Clearly the news of Melissa leaving as well, that's always really hard. And so I think it was one of those that it didn't quite meet the expectations we wanted, but it's shown a huge potential for some of those players moving forward. Yeah. And you mentioned there, obviously, Melissa Bessel going back to New Zealand. And at the time of recording, we still don't know who the next third coach is going to be. But we do know that the franchise as a whole has a bit of stability going into 2023 under the sole ownership of the University of Worcester. How much do you think that the withdrawal of Gloucestershire University midway through the season and the kind of instability that that brings affected the playing group? Yeah, well, look, Stars are a relatively new franchise. You know, they came back into the league when we had a rehash a few seasons ago um, and they built that partnership with Worcester. Worcester. Again, I'm not going to say it affects you massively on court. You know, the players wouldn't have been there. But there is that concern of, you know, what happens moving forward when you know your coach is leaving, when you're not sure if your star players are staying around, when you're not sure of the stability of the club. There's there's almost too much to deal with. Um, Culture's built on the the whole thing, playing for your club, what that means, um, the support you get around them. Um, And so, of course, there was going to be kind of questions asked. And I, I guess that's how I feel about stars they just haven't quite got that blend together. There's been so many changes over the years. This was just another thing thrown at them. And I think if you kept this group together for a while longer, you'd, you'd reap the rewards. But already we know Liana's, Liana's off and, and Melissa's off. And I'm sure you'll, you'll see some other changes in, in and around that group as well um, because they finished at the bottom. So it's very difficult. At some point, you've got to build, you've got to keep together and you've got to push forward in the same direction. And that will need to be behind the scenes as well as on court. Mm. Yeah, and actually, I think that one team that hopefully we will see that is Dragons. They had a big shake up this year, and we saw a really good core of their players 
make such an impact. I mean, the impact of Shaquanda Green Knoll on the league, it's just been fantastic. And they obviously have had a much better season than they did last year, even though they only ended up with three wins. Some of them were so close. That's still two more wins than last year. And their goal difference is 181 goals better than it was last year, meaning that their average losing goal margin was 10.1 instead of 19.2. I love a math stat like that, by the way. (laughs) And what do you think was the key to this turnaround from last year? Well, um, Dragons have been that team again that everybody supports as your second team, right? So last year it was Sirens, this year it's Dragons. And I, and I love that. And, it, and it, it's not only about the way they're playing, but it's about the personalities they have. Look, the change in personnel in, in terms of coaching was huge. Uh, I'm so glad Danny Tittens-Morris was given an opportunity. It's difficult. It's difficult for any coaches coming through, which sounds crazy, bearing in mind there was five five positions up for grabs this year. But for a young English coach, when you haven't had that exposure experience at the top level yet, when you've done all the pathway, you've done all your England stuff, it's, it's really difficult. So for her to get a gig was great. Recruitment in your first year is so hard. I can say that when I went to Storm, um, I always laugh about it. Sophia Kandapa, I remember ringing her over my first year going, come play for me. And she went, nah. And then she had a year with Mavericks and then was on the phone the next year and said, said can I come play I was like yeah sure <laughs> and and that that happens you you earn your stripes as a coach just as you do as you as a player so I think for Danny she got some, some big steals and people like um Radaman um and then it's always a lottery bringing over international players that are unknown so Shaquanda has not only lit up the court on the court but I think off the court as well and you just she's just brought in the right mix you know Hannah Layton and Annabelle Roddy they have points to prove you know they wanted starting players in positions they wanted to play so that's been key throw into there your likes of Nia Jones who was literally a fighter till the bitter end and I think just the experience you've got down that attacking end now bringing the best out of Georgia Rowe it's almost that blend that I talked about that didn't exist at Stars has existed at Dragons so you've started to build this belief and I think what's important about those guys is that, no, they didn't win game after game after game, but they came close. They built a real home venue. They built somewhere where people don't want to go and don't want to play and know they have to play well to come out with a win. And they've started to build their identity. Um, so they, they will only get stronger. It'll be interesting to see what recruitment they can do this year. You know, if there's just a couple more key players they can add to that mix. I don't think they need many changes because they've got a lot of youngsters in there, but just a couple more what that will do to that team moving forward. Yeah, 100%. And I'm actually really keen to see if Shaquanda in particular does stay because I'm mad, you know, she had such a breakout season uh, for her debut season in the Super League that I imagine there's going to be a few coaches knocking on her door. So it'd be interesting to see whether she does stay there. But moving on to next on the table, this one might sting a little Tamsin. It's Wasps. <laughs> No. <laughs> this was objectively a really disappointing year for Wasps, not only missing out on top four, but also missing out on fast five for the first time ever. They didn't get in that top eight. And if we look back on their previous rankings from 2017 to 2022, if we miss out 2020, because that's a um, bit of an exception, they went from first, first, second, seventh, and now ninth. So where has it all gone wrong for Wasps in the last few years? Look, Wasps was a different one when it set up. I was actually having this, this conversation today. Um, when, I, when I went into Wasps and I was, I was asked to go there and coach, the remit was bringing a successful team. It wasn't 
let's build, let's take time, let's do this. It was bringing a successful team and, and that's what we did. And behind the scenes, we work really hard on building a pathway. You have to remember that counties and regionals have done a great job, but there hasn't been the Super League pathway. There wasn't the, the goal in there. So you lose players, you lose players going off to university. We, we worked hard with the University of Birmingham and the plan was always by year four to have it fully invested in the West Mids to make sure we have players up there that were living up there that were joining. The hard part was after after I... I left and Mel took over for that year there was a whole group of players there that were still super experienced got through to the final and Mel was incredible they did an amazing year unlucky to miss out it was a mad final I don't even remember it swung from end to end but after that you then rebuild and the, and the problem is I always say it works in sort of three-year cycles so you had that one two three and we had a load of experienced players in there well they're going to go at some point you know they don't stick around forever so I just think with Wasps, it's just a slower rebuild than what you'd see at some of the more established teams. And it'd be lessons learned. You know, have they got enough pathway players coming through now? Are they recruiting right into Birmingham Union? Are those players swinging across to play to Wasps? You know, for example, players like Ellie Ratu were at University of Birmingham but never played for Wasps. They went back down. Hallie Adio was at, at Coventry and she ended up going back down to Poole. So I think the recruitment bit for Wasps will be important moving forward. But what the beauty of this team can look at is how much they've improved across the season. You know, at the start of the year, we were, it was sort of tear your hair out, if we're being, we're being honest. But actually, by the end of it, look at some, how some of the players were, were performing. I think players like Rachel Fee, uh, Leah Goss, um, how Iona Christian's taken a lead in role, Lucy Paris, you know, all these players, Josie Hockle really came into her own as captain. All these players have been given an opportunity to become Super League players. Um, and I think it's full credit to Wasps to, to have done that. They'll be gutted. Of course they will. I'm gutted. But I also know the bigger picture. And to get success, you, you have to build again. And that's where they'll be. Yeah, I think that building and recruitment piece in particular is really interesting. And, you know, on recruitment, we know that obviously they're another team that's got a vacant head coach role uh, at the time of recording. Still don't know who it's going to be. So they'll be looking for someone, I imagine, with experience who's able to to come in and sort of do what you did, I guess, to to be able to build a team up or to bring in those experienced um, winning characters. Who Who do you think are the main candidates for the head coach role in your opinion at Wasps? Um, it's it's going to be a tough one because even though I say, you know, I love to see young English coaches get an opportunity, how many are out there putting up their hands saying, this is what I want a career in? Mm. I think you have to remember over the last few years, it's it's changed dramatically that you can you can make a career out of netball. You know, Mel was doing it as not a full-time role. So she is a radiographer at a university and, and lots of coaches have sort of it's not always their full time or they are full time. They're doing everything from director of netball to head coaching. And so we're still in a massive transition of what that looks like. I still don't believe we have a clear enough pathway of how you get to be a super league coach in sense of your age group stuff is brilliant. And the stuff that we're doing there is great, but are we actually creating careers and roles for coaches to be able to come into it? And what does that look like? Because if, if a coach is only sort of staying into a job for two or three years, then the changeover is pretty quick, right? But what do they go into afterwards? Or do you want coaches that are there for 10, 15 years? Brilliant. But what does that mean for your programs and change and development? So I think we're in a real funny stage at the moment. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure who's put the hand up for these roles. I think we've got a whole group of players that will be starting to come to the end of the careers that I think can be successful. Look at, um, or that are continuing, look at what Mickey Austin's done. Um, you know, that's really important. And this last group of coaches, Joanna Stembridge, Kat Ratnapalas, they're all players. So they've all been at that level at that top game. It's not essential, 
But I think we can't overlook that if there's players putting their hands up that want to do it. And I would rather see that happen than as automatically just go overseas to someone that hasn't been involved at some point in our game. Overseas people that have been involved in it, fine, whether it's playing or coaching already. But I, I don't think it's always our magic answer. Mm. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's why I was so pleased that Camilla put her hand up for head coach for Mavericks, which obviously will come on a bit later. But I, I did have some questions with the sheer number of coaches that step down, whether we would have that experience to then take up across so many positions and whether we do need to bring in that international flavour. But I think as Tracy said as well, it would be devastating to lose all of that netball knowledge and that netball experience from our league. So, you know, maybe we'll see Mel or Kat go to a, a different franchise. Like there's still two positions left. So we'll have to just wait and see, I guess. But next up on the ladder uh, was Sirens of course. And I think they're probably another team that was surprisingly disappointing, I guess. Maybe that's a little bit harsh, but they had Mm -hmm. such a cracking season last year where they were really vying for that top four contention until right near the end of the season. And I think when you take into account that their squad was largely unchanged, um, if not, if anything, strengthened with Maxwell and Tyrrell coming in for 2022, I think they left fans with a lot of questions as to what went wrong for them this year. So what are your thoughts on this Sirens team, bearing in mind that a large number of them are also in your Scottish Thistles team? Yes, to be disclosed, of course. But <laughs> Well, it's funny, actually, because I get, I get that connection with Sirens all the time. But actually, when you look at the starting seven, not many of my Scottish players are necessarily in that. So obviously, Tuera and Gia and um, Taylor and Beth, key players in there. None of them qualify for, for Scottish eligibility. So, yeah, it's... It's it's been an interesting year that I I know they'll be disappointed. Um, I think there was a lot of expectation on this group, uh, me included. I was hoping they'd push on. I think the hardest season is always to back up. So when you've had a successful year, how then do you continue to back that up, especially if you're a rising team? So, for example, Pulse will be a target next year. They have to be because they've done so well this year that people won't just roll over. And and so people know that about Sirens now. I think it was big for them with shooting combinations at the start of the year. Emma Barry wasn't fit right at the start. I thought Beth Goodwin came in and, and was brilliant. I was so impressed to see her as a Scottish head coach, see how she owned that position. But it's a totally different style. And so you're having to get players used to that all the time. And I think once you're a target, you have to start adapting and changing in your attack end. And I think that's probably where they they wouldn't have done pushed on as well as they wanted to. If you look at some of the scores, even last last season when they were getting the draws, it was still quite low scoring. I think um, they pushed on towards the end of the season, but it was always about getting more opportunities and getting more attempts on the board. And that's something they'll have to focus on. But they've got such a young attacking end. Like, you know, Baz, Beth and Neve, they're only going to get better and better and better, um, I, which is which is the scary prospect. And actually, this season won't be a bad thing for them. They'll look at it. They scraped into top eight, so they got got their fast five. They can go into next season, fresh look, fresh start, and go, right, we know exactly what we need to target. We need to get more attempts on the board. But it'll be interesting to, again, to see who they retain. Because when you start looking at all these teams sort of towards the bottom of the table... There's clearly always some unrest with players. There's clearly changes in coaches and people are always looking for something a bit different. Yeah, that's interesting, actually. I, I genuinely think this signing window period is going to be so exciting with all the movement that we will hopefully see. And it's interesting you said there about the attacking end because um, another team that had kind of issues with the attacking end last year and kind of turned that around was actually, sorry, Storm. So this was obviously a much better season for them. And they went from 10th to 7th, winning eight 
eight games compared to last year's three. And there was even a sort of whisper of them getting in the top four at one stage. And everyone's a bit like, whoa, what's going on here? Um, and obviously the Proscovia piece effect was fully real. Last year, when we had you on at the end of the season, you said that there wasn't much in Storm's game at that time that had the ability to really surprise teams. And they didn't seem to have that spark or energy about them. Would you say that they managed to find that this year? Yeah, I think I think everybody sort of lit up, didn't they, when um, when Proscovia Peace was signed because she was going to be that sort of that dominant shooter, the one that you can put the ball into anywhere. You know, bringing in Sophie Kandapper as well, who can literally feed from the halfway line, um, was a great move. And and I think they they certainly added more variety to their game this year, and they had that because of the personnel. And and that's the thing because when, when you do these things, it, it's not to be overcritical. It, it's literally who you have and what you do and what what year you're in so when we talk about wasps and their rebuild that's literally where they're at right now and so for storm they they were far more exciting in that attack end i think everybody loved watching peace play and she's just such an incredible athlete and also ambassador for our sport i honestly think they should have made top four i think they should be disappointed with where they ended up finishing because i've i'd seen them live i i know how tenacious they were how um switched on they were at times but there was just a lack of consistency. And you can say that about all those groups that finished in, in that edge. And there'll be games where shoulda, woulda, coulda, you know, that if it just gone a different way, it would have been a very different story. They're going to have to cement that. Again, they're still going to need some impact. I think defensively now they'll want to tighten up again. And that's always really difficult. But another year on, under their belt for some of those players will help hugely. And just adding another dimension to their defence end as well next year will be key because you do, you get found out. Like, as the te- as you know, Thunder were undefeated for a reason. They could constantly change, adjust, and adapt. Um, and so Storm will want to go right. Well, we've actually started to nail this attack in now. How are we going to win more more ball next year? Is that changing personnel? Is that a change in our style? Changing tactics? What does that look like? I think it's really interesting you say that because speaking of that defence end, Liam Middleton has actually topped the charts for the most number of penalties in across the league for two years running now. So they haven't been able to adapt from that from last year and has that potentially affected them this year? I I would argue yes, because she's out of play. She can't contest the ball. So yeah, how they're going to address that for next year because she can't be top of the table for penalties for a third year running. No, and and as a coach, that's the stuff you need to look at. And I know they toyed with her at goalkeeper, goal defence. Hwanga, I think, she always starts slowly for me, but towards the end of the season, she's like, wow, that's the player we're used to seeing. But And, and Neve Cooper is, again, that very intense physical defender. So is Mickey Austin. So you've got four very similar players in the way they go. But yeah, I, th- I think there will have to be adjustments if you want to make, make it in the top four. Like you look at those teams, they've all got a superstar in each area. Um, and that's no disrespect to where some of these other teams are at because some of these players will become a superstar. But if you haven't got them at the minute, what's your, what's your plan B? What's your plan C? And I think, yeah, Storm's defence end, penalty-wise, change of style will be necessary for next year. Mm. I really think if they can keep Proscovia peace and keep that unit and maybe a, a different flavour in that defence, like you say, they could really be challenging teams because we saw it for moments and they've got such a great fan base as well and all of that support behind them. So yeah, definitely big things to come from them next year. Moving on to uh, Leeds Rhinos, who had a bit of an up and down year, a little bit worse than they did last season. They did show some brilliance and patches and were able to topple Mavs in round 19 and prevent them from having the chance to make top four. 
Tracy Robinson was a new coach who was obviously appointed quite late and didn't choose her side. And I think we saw this reflected in the number of changes that she made. There were starting sevens week on week, which were wildly different, you know, lineups throughout the game where people were coming on and off, you know, it seemed like every two minutes. Uh, And there were obviously some difficult injuries to rhinos, which they suffered this season. But putting the injuries to one side, how big of an impact would the constantly changing lineup realistically have had on those players? I'm I'm only going to go, the way I coach and the way I approach things is very much how I like to be coached and like to play. So that doesn't work for everybody. And this is what I say about teams. You've got to find your culture in your slot. But I can say, when I knew my place in the squad, I was at my happiest. So if I knew I was a starting wing attack, and as long as I was consistently playing well and keep improving and doing my job on court, that was my role. Brilliant. I've also been in the position for long periods of time where I was, I was an impact player uh, in the England side and at Bath to start off with. So I also knew that. I knew my role and I wanted to play. I wanted to be the starting seven, but I, I knew I wasn't. So I worked my ass off at training and I worked hard on the court. And it was basically every time I stepped on court, I was going to show you why you should pick me every single week there's a role there's an idea there's an identity you know what you're doing I've also played in squads where I've had no idea whether I'm going to be starting whether if I do I don't know who I'm starting with and for me personally and this is not for every player but for me personally it was unsettling I didn't like it maybe that's because of the way I think about the game and do whatever but I didn't like it so I've always kind of had this thing where I would like to say the players that I've worked with kind of know their role they don't always like it but they know it I think for rhinos it would have been hard for all of them to feel like that. There might be some key players like a JD who's so experienced who it doesn't bother, but there will be other players in there that it's hard, that it's really hard to take, especially as a youngster, especially as a shooter. Shooters, it's a hell of a lot harder because you've got to go out there. And if you're feeling like you're on trial every single time you step onto the court, just think of the added pressure that puts on you. So that's kind of my opinion on it. I don't know those players well enough personally to, to see how they would feel, but I would suggest that it's it's one of the hardest things to do and you've got to have a very secure group to do it. So I was surprised by the amount of changes Rhino's made. I was surprised as well because I kind of figure if you don't know your team, you stick to what you know. Does that make sense? So, you know, they were successful last year. So it's almost like I would have liked to have seen them start more with that and then move to changes if it was not working rather than the other way around. And I think, I think we just saw too much of the other way around. I think once they did find their lineups, they became more comfortable. And, and again, talking as a player and as a wing attack, if you're going to constantly throw a different shooter for me every single quarter, that's tough. You get connections with people. There was a reason I begged Rachel Dunn to follow me around the country because I knew her inside out. If you suddenly go from a rotating shooter to a holding shooter, a shooter wants to ball here, a shooter, it is tough when you're under pressure to constantly keep making those decisions not impossible but tough and I think we all kind of raised eyebrows when they signed Ziggy Amy and retained Sienna at the start of the year because we were like how the hell is that going to work and you know eventually they found who they wanted in there but yeah I I think it it would have been a knock-on effect to why they didn't make the top four yeah and I think as well like it must be so difficult to step into a team really late in the day it was only like what four or five weeks for the start of the season or something with someone else's vision for that squad mm. for the year like she almost Tracy almost had the impossible task of trying to live out someone else's vision for for Rhino so 
I think there's a certain amount of slack that needs to be cut for them. But I think I'm, I'm really pleased that Leota is now obviously going there on a three-year deal. They clearly want someone who's going to come in and, and be able to make their mark, to be there as a consistent figure and to really mould the team to what they want it to be. So I think that's going to be a really exciting prospect for them. Moving on from Rhinos, Mavericks. <laughs> it seems like every year I just hold my head in my hands when it comes to Mavericks. It just looks so positive at the start of the season. They were gunning for it. They were winning some really close games, sitting comfortably in that top four. But as we've seen so often in recent years, they just couldn't hold on to that position. And so this has, of course, resulted in some personnel changes at Mavericks. We've got Camilla Buchanan replacing Kat Ratnapala uh, as head coach and, of course, yourself being appointed as a head of strategic performance. So someone of your calibre and experience and expertise most likely gets a huge number of offers and opportunities. So what was it about this role at Mavericks that made you agree to take it? Well, it's funny, actually. I don't get that many offers. But I think I think the whole... Look, this came about totally out of the blue and it wasn't something I was looking for. I'm still fully 100% committed to what I'm doing at Scotland, but I'm always looking for what happens next I'm always looking for a new challenge and anybody that knows me knows I love the game like end of um and the whole game as well of course winning when you're in a group is amazing but I I love netball and I'll do whatever I can to promote our amazing sport so this opportunity came around in a very very random way and I kind of felt like it was a really new good challenge I wanted to do something else and I think moving forward after coaching I don't want to coach forever I don't want to be in my 60s on a super league sideline coaching a team or traveling the world on an international coach um it has a it has a shelf life so I'd love to be able to do something more strategic and just like you have to prove yourself as a player and a coach to get into anything in that role I'll have to prove myself there as well and I've never done that I've never been in a position where I haven't been forefront and center um, and taking on the world it's really nice to think can I do it in a strategic role can I support somebody I have a huge amount of respect for Camilla Buchanan uh, when she put her hand up to take that role I was thrilled um, I have a huge amount of respect for what Kat Ratnapala has done and did before you know I worked with her at Surrey Storm we we worked together so I, I know the legacy she's left and I know the work and effort that's gone in so honestly wasn't sure whether I'd ever work at Mavericks I don't think that was ever on my list I think everybody kind of knows that you get kind of um, your teams and being at Storm for so long and those rivalries but this opportunity to work with Saracens Mavericks was was too good to, to turn down I love their vision I love what they're trying to do from a performance point of view um, it's something different to look at to help support a new head coach in a role something I never had happen to me when I was a head coach you know I had to learn very unsuccessfully at times on the job so I think that's amazing for, for Camilla to be able to bounce stuff off and it very much is bounce off this is her team her way her vision but behind the scenes I get to integrate Saracens into Mavericks which is amazing I get to um, work with the Pathway who are already doing some incredible things and then I get to still be in that performance position with with a team as well which is which is pretty special. So it'll be an interesting year. How much I can sit back and be like, it's all fine. We'll see. <laughs> I'm sure Camilla at some point will be like, leave me alone. <laughs> um, and so and so she should. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great role. And I think change change is good. Like, you know, for everybody watching that Maverick side, I have to when I put my media hat on, you know, we all caught in a question keeping that same group together. They did. Um, could they perform? I think it all looks so promising. I put my hand up and said at the start, they're going to make top four. They have to. They're playing so well. The consistency is there. 
and then it didn't. And so I guess it's unpicking that part, you know, why didn't it and what needs to happen to move forward. Yeah, I mean, when the announcement came out, I literally had to do a double take. I was fully gooped. It was the scoop of the season, uh, in my opinion. And I'm really genuinely excited to see what you can do within that setup and how you can work with Camilla. But I mean, you talk about the playing group and how they've stuck together for a number of years but haven't been able to have that success. Do you think that we need to see a shake-up of players for 2023 with Mavericks? Like, what, what else needs to change? Because it can't all just sit on your head and, and Camilla's, I don't think. No, no, of course not. And I'm not on cats either. Like, you know, when when a team doesn't... Look, if, if you're a team that's saying, we're young, we're building, we're doing, there's no expectations, this is what we're doing and success happens, it's fine. Success doesn't happen, it's fine. But if you're a team that put your hand up and say, we're going to win the competition and we've got the players on paper to do it, you have to own that. I've been in those positions. You have to own the losses. You have to go, hands up, we did not do well enough. End of discussion. And I think all of it will, will need to be addressed, all of it. And wh- whatever that looks like, whatever those changes happen, um, whether players want to stay, you know, you've got you've got all this to contend with. It's not always about you picking and choosing. Like Players are ruthless in their decisions too and where they want to go, court time they get, who they're coached by, who they play with, whether that gives them an England opportunity. Like I mean, th- this is a bigger picture. It's a jigsaw puzzle in the most ridiculous scheme. So... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to to getting into that recruitment bit. It's all started. Clearly, I've spoken to all the players, I've spoken to Camelot, and um, yeah, it's now now painting together a picture. I think what you have to... Reality is 12 amazing names on paper don't always give you the perfect team. Mm-hmm. And and something I've learned, and what we talked about already, the blends of people, it's, it's how you partner each other, what you can get out of people, the different stages of their career, what they bring to the environment on court, you know, is everybody at training every week or have you got some people dipping in and out because of full-time jobs? Like there is so much more to think about than just the 12 names that you see. And then how you keep them all happy as well. You know, you've got 12 superstars. Well, that's brilliant, but 12 superstars want to play. So, mm. you know, there is so much more to it than what you initially see. So it's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be a great opportunity for everybody involved. And, and that's what we said to players and that's what Cam will be doing. And change is good sometimes. Some things will stay the same and, and we'll crack on, I'm sure, with... With lots of people watching. <laughs> Definitely, hands down, without a doubt. And I think as well, like we also have to, like before we move on to Pulse, we just have to, you know, give credit where credit's due. Like they did have some really great performances, but they also had a hell of a lot of injuries. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they lost Jamila McCarthy, uh, Kwashi, Fakahokatao came over, played all of about 20 minutes and then was unfortunately injured. So that was a really big blow for them. So yeah, let's... We won't be too hard on on Mavs. We will move on to Pulse. And I think if there if there was ever an award for the most plucky side <laughs> in Vitality Network <laughs> Super League, it has to go to London Pulse. And after a pretty disastrous season in 2021, they got themselves in the, into the top four. And while they didn't manage to beat Bath in that third or fourth playoff, this young side would have learned some really valuable lessons from that experience. And we actually spoke to Sam Bird and, and Liv Cheen on the podcast last week about the power of youth. And while both Lucy and I absolutely buy into the benefits of having a young team, I think you could see that there was a critical lack of experience, particularly in that attacking end on the playoff game against Bath. Do you think that Pulse got the balance of youth and experience right? Or is it almost a case of like sacrificing the win this year to come back bigger, stronger and more experienced next year by having such a young team? 
Yeah, I, I think they set out. They've been very strong about what they were going to do with their youth and they were going to come good. And they've they finally come good. So, you know, they couldn't get over the line this year, but they would have learned a hell of a lot. And I think, think we all saw that. Those players are only going to get better. That experience in the circle will only grow. Um, and then if you do go and get someone this year to add in, you know, you know, again, you're going to add another layer. So I, I don't think it's a problem. There has to be winners and losers. This is what I find quite funny about, about the league because everybody wants their team to win. But if it's always on the fact that you're going to win a championship, I've always said this, then you're playing the wrong sport because it mm. could be a very terrible career for you. Because there's plenty of amazing players that have gone through their career and not won things mm. or only won once. So it, it has to be more than that. And I think Paul's have, have, have shown what they're about. They've committed to build. They've given youngsters opportunities. They've trusted them to do that. Um, and with that, they've been rewarded. Um, like I said, the backup season will be difficult because they're a target. However, they're so talented in certain areas that I think they'll ride that out absolutely fine. And, and recruitment will be interesting because I'm sure they'll want to hang on to all their youngsters because why wouldn't you? Why would you want to train those guys up and then let some of your good ones go? But mm. at the same time, they'll start getting itchy feet at some point because they'll all want to play. And we have seen, again, a lot of changes go on in that group across the season and, and different areas of the court time. So I think what I'm most intrigued about is what happens in the next two years on who they really keep and really build their squad around and how they then add to that as well. Mm. I mean, you'd have to think that Fumi Fidoji, like that, that is one of the people that you build your squad around, probably Live team as well. That's yeah, right. Get <laughs> her in contract. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, she she has to be, and and I think someone like Fumi, she will. Look, you you listen to the Pauls girls, and they all talk about this family environment and how amazing it is, and and it reminds me very much of Bath. But you have to remember at, at Bath when we were all saying that it was Jeeva, it was Sarah, it was me, it was Pam, it was Rach, and um, I mean the list goes on. Your Ebony's, your Serena's, we all ended up going off and spreading your wings and going elsewhere. So I, I think the key for them now is they're building something special, but over the next two years, they'll need to realize what direction that's going in because you, you don't keep everyone forever. So who are those key ones? Um, who you build your squad around? And then what happens as well, and this is what people forget, like I said about earning your stripes, is that older experienced players want to go there. Because, you know, look at Lindsay Keeble, it's like a new lease of life this year playing mm-hmm. with that group. So actually you start getting someone that's coming to the end of the career and going, yeah, I fancy a bit of a new challenge. That's how I got Jade at Wasps. You know, she wanted something new and fresh. And I think that's what would be key for Pauls, especially with Lisa Alexander there hanging around. And actually just quickly talking about the international coaches, I think there's so much more reign for coaches to do that role, mm. um, that kind of overseeing and strategic role, something I'm, I'm trying to give myself a go at, at Mavericks because that's where they can add so much value and experience into training environments and structures and things that are happening overseas that we perhaps haven't had invested in our, in our league yet. Yeah, mm. yeah, 100%. I think you're, you're spot on there. And I think it's, you've mentioned there, it's got to be about more than winning or losing. And I think that's one thing that Sam Bird's actually been really clear on is that she is very, very clear in her mind that she's developing the next layer of roses. And they've got one of the highest, if not the highest number of roses and futures within their squad. And so it's, it's amazing to see them get that exposure. So thinking back to that, specifically the third or fourth playoff against Bath, if you were Sam Bird following that performance, what would you say to them now going into next season? Well, I think um, I, I, I wouldn't be overly critical or harsh on it. They they would <laughs> taught a lesson is wrong. Bath were clearly, and I didn't think this would happen. I thought Pulse would be far more up for it than Bath. But Bath clearly wanted to get over the line and 
fought and and fought them as hard as pools fought them. I mean, it was an extraordinary game. It wasn't scrappy because the intercepts were so good, even though there was so much turnover. But you know, I enjoyed it. Um, I think I think the reality is there was lessons learnt. You know, playing in that circle against Mawani and Guscoff. Well, welcome to to proper netball, like week in week out. That's what you've got to perform against every single time. And you can only do that once you've had the opportunity. Also, in a really noisy environment where there, is, there was a lot of pulse bias, you know, there was a lot of fans there wanting that momentum swing and the change. It got really noisy in that last quarter. Um, so I, I think there was so much for them to learn. I, I think the reality is to get them to the next stage. Then those attackers, uh, the accountability will have to be looked at, that experience and exposure, what happens to them in those moments. And a, and a real learning curve, but not critical at all because they've had a wonderful season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it was unfortunate that they didn't get the fairy tale ending that they wanted to have at the end. But I do think Bath played a blinder, really, in that game. I think you look at the work rate of Gus Goth and Maweni, they were pretty much unstoppable in that back end. And actually, this season for them has been a little bit up and down. There were some times where they might not make it into top four. I think everyone was thinking, oh God, what, you know, what's happening here? And they did manage to obviously scrape in and kind of keep their reputation intact, I suppose. <laughs> um, but with the news early on with Serena, you know, Imogen Allison really stepped up. And I think there were concerns about the hole that she would leave in that, in that midcourt. But looking at the attacking end specifically, do you think that they underperformed or were found out by other teams who've seen this combination for a few seasons now? Yeah, I think um, Bath's problem was their inconsistency, wasn't there? That they they had, you know, even looking at the semi-final, right, they were one up at the end of the first quarter. They they were still level pegging with about three minutes to go before half time. And then they let a five goal run go on them. Like it, it, They do crazy things. And when you look at some of the errors that they made, it's like, Wow, you know, you know, how does that happen? I I don't think they've got necessarily another layer to their attack end at the minute. That happens, you know. I love Kim Borgia. I think she's been brilliant. But if you don't have a target shooter, you've got to have. Um, and I don't mean that in terms of you can't get the ball to her. I mean she rotates. She's not a piece. You can't just lob the ball in from anywhere and her get it. So you, everything has to be precise. That means your offloads um, and your movement from your goal attack and how you work together. I think there was just too many changes. Losing Serena loses all your magic and flair. You, again, that's no disrespect to any players out there. She's well class. She's like a different level to everybody. So you lost that. So you're asking players to step up into positions. Uh, you know, Imogen's had to learn how to play centre on the job. Not an easy task at all. And you would. She's more of a natural defensive centre. So you're not only asking her to learn on the job of centre, but you're also asking her to create magic moments as well, because then you're looking at a Rachel and a Kirsty Harris who are solid. They're not necessarily your big flair players. So I just think they they lack that and they, they get found out because at times they become predictable on what they're going to do. And that's that's really difficult because at times they're amazing to watch and defensively, wow. Like Layla this season, Tash Pavlin as well. They, they've been incredible. But they, yeah, they... It won't be the worst thing in the world them having to make some changes in their attack end because everything has a life. It's like a shelf life, like I was saying. You know, you get to a point uh, towards my end of the career, I had to bring in people that started to take on your next next part. You can't be that full game starting player every single time. And that's what you find with all, all sort of units that have been together a while. They have to evolve. So Bath's Evolve will be big because they're losing two key players. Well, three as well with Serena gone. But um, 
it, it will be time for them. And I think they'll, they'll relish that. And I'm really excited for Asher as well. You know, I, I play with Asher at Bath. She was one of those, um, again, another Bath alumni that's come through and has now gone into coaching. So it'll be, it'll be great to see what she does because she gets it. She gets the system, she gets Bath and, and that's an important, important part of their history as well. Mm. It does feel like almost like a changing of the guard, I suppose, with those big names leaving and Anna Stembridge out as well. And obviously Sophie Drakeford-Lewis and Imogen Allison have now graduated, so they might be on the move somewhere as well. It will be really, really interesting actually to see how they recruit and whether they bring through, you know, some of those young players like we saw Hannah Passmore get a bit more court time towards the end of the season. You know, who knows what we'll see. Moving on to the runners-up, the, the I was about to say the silver spoon. No, that's not anything, is it? I mean, the <laughs> silver medal. Silver spoon. Silver spoon. <laughs> it's love for lightning. It's been a long day, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about it. We we all know that Lightning had a, a terrible start to their final game with Ella Clark going down. Uh, I, that was just horrific. I think that was obviously one of the worst things I've I've ever witnessed in a sporting mm. game, to be honest with you. Um, but they showed incredible will to fight back and get into the game. How impressed were you by their performance as a whole? Yeah, I, I mean that that start to the game was was horrific. I was playing against Beth Cobden when she did hers in the final. I mean, it was just awful in the in the first quarter a few years back. So I, it's it's totally disruptive to to every. It's it's awful, and I think all the fans felt it. And we all we we know we all wish Ella a speedy recovery. Of course, that would have disrupted them, and changes had to be made. And um, Emma Thacker, who I think has been brilliant all year, you know, again. What she'll have learned from that experience is huge in terms of dealing with the emotions and having to get out there and perform. I was impressed that after they kind of rode that first bit of storm and, and they gave Thunder the lead and they did, like, you know, that was always going to be difficult to get back. They did keep asking questions of Thunder. You know, we saw we saw the defensive work of Fran Williams, of Alice Harvey, of Nat Panagari out the front. Um, we saw Hannah Joseph you know, trying to get that group in the game. We saw Emma Thacker really grow into it and, and the same with Mary. So it could have just totally gone like it could have been a 20 goal thrashing but it didn't and actually I think there was moments in that third quarter where they could have got back in the game but that just goes to show the class of Thunder that they can step up when anybody throws anything at them but I yeah I think Loughborough will be gutted but they won't be disheartened with with what they put out there and they shouldn't be because um, they fought until the bitter end. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was almost like after the injury, they sort of took the rest of that quarter to recover. And then it was kind of a bit too late because that lead had been built up. But they actually only lost the second quarter by one and they then won the second half by six. So, you know, that that is an amazing turnaround. And I was so impressed. And Sarah Francis Bayman tweeted the morning after the game that culture is what happens when things go wrong. And if you look at how they rallied together, how the likes of the youngsters in Alice Harvey and Emma Thacker, like you mentioned, just really stood up, it's clear that a good culture is one of the strengths at Lightning. So as a head coach, how do you build a team culture that's able to stand up and respond in those moments of heartbreak? To have any good culture, there has to be a lot of trust and honesty. Uh, so when that stuff happens, the the first initial response is, how you're going to work together and what that looks like rather than oh god oh god because you know if you're looking around questioning everybody that's just not going to happen so um you know you don't ever build for the what ifs in that sense like you know no coach is going into a world cup final going oh if my star goal attack gets injured what happens next like but you have backup plans in terms of the squad's prepped and ready so if you have a good culture 
those players what I was talking about earlier, Emma Thacker knew what her role was. She was an impact player. I'm I'm under no illusion that she'd have got on the court at some point during that game anyway. It was just a nature in which she had to step up. So I think as long as you're constantly building that, everybody knows their role. There's a lot of trust, there's honesty, you've prepped well. That culture builds itself because people are happy. You know, everybody wants to understand what's going on. If you're constantly asking questions, guessing, there's no communication, nothing's happening, then that's where you get you get the concerns. You know, the very fact that Beth Cobden was there on the bench trying to rally everybody, she'd been through it. You, you can see what that means. The very fact that they're able to retain players, that they're able to bring in players like Fran Williams, like that is a place people want to be. Um, and rightly so, they should be. That You know, Loughborough, Loughborough have been great. I think they've been underrated this year because they've kind of just gone along on the radar. We've talked about pools being really exciting and we've had moments with Storm and Thunder best undefeated, but don't underestimate what Loughborough have done this year. They've had a bloody good year. They've been brilliant. They just weren't as good as Thunder on the day. Mm. Yeah, uh, my heart just absolutely broke for them in that game. It's almost a case of like what what could have been because, like we said, we did they did win the second half by six. But you know, speaking of Thunder, we do now have our champions. How do you think that they fared in the grand final? Because obviously Ella going down would have affected them as well psychologically. Yeah, well, look, I think I think both teams coming into the final, them missing Shadeen and um, Loughran missing Beth to start off with was, was huge for both ends. They knew, you know, their attack ends were going to have to fire because you can't just take two players out like that and, you know, crack on. However, I think for Thunder, having that opportunity to play the youngsters so much this year, because I think I worked out before a couple of weeks ago that they'd only had like four games through the whole season where they've started their actual starting seven. Oh, wow. You know, who, who you talk about. Yeah, because they've just, it's just been so disjointed with injuries and illnesses and, and all the stuff that's going on. Um, and they've still got over the line. So, you know, Millie Sanders, I think, was having a blinder. I was actually confused when she came off because I thought she was having the game of her life. And they've built that um, belief in there that you can step out and anybody can step into those roles. It helps when you're surrounded by quality. And like, don't underestimate just how good Thunder is. I think they've got two of the best playmakers in the world at the minute in their attack end, Ellie Carwell and, and Nat, Hazel, uh, Nat McCarthy. Sorry, what they can do with the ball is unlike anybody else in our league. So that helps. I mean, Joyce Mvula is so dominant under the post. And if she's being taken out of the game, then Ellie Carwell just steps up. They've just got that kind of role and experience. I think Carrie Almond, again, shows you what an experienced keeper does, like a Lindsay Keeble. And that lease of life they get when they play with the youngster. And Laura Malcolm in my favourite position for her at wing defence is is brilliant. I mean, she's absolutely brilliant again. So, I mean, they've got, and I've not even mentioned Carolina Hanlon. So, I mean, when you're looking about, oh, Lois Pearson comes on, she looks to her, her right and, and at Metcalf's there and she looks in front of her and, and all Laura Malcolm's playing centre. You're like, oh, I'm good, guys. I'm, I'm all right. I got this. I mean, I think that's what you can't underestimate with this group. They are very, very good led by two extremely clever, passionate coaches. Like tactically, they've nailed it this year um, because not only have they got the great players, they've allowed them to play to an extent, but also given them enough structure to absolutely wipe the floor with teams. To score that many goals consistently week in, week out, you have to have a good structure and that's what they've given them. So I, I was really impressed. I wanted I wanted the final to be closer because I wanted to see if someone could test and challenge them. But I said that we're going to win beforehand. I... I'm happy they did because to go through a season undefeated just shows the class that they are. Yeah, 100%. I mean, 22 from 22. Like I think we said halfway through the season as well that if Thunder don't 
at least make the final, if not win, then something's gone horribly wrong. But yeah. I think it's fascinating when you talk about the level of experience and the quality that they've got across the board. Because when you do look at that typical, in inverted commas, Thunder lineup, they have international experience across almost every position. You've got starting seven players for South Africa, Northern Ireland, England, and Malawi, as well as ex and future Roses. That level of depth and experience across the board obviously needs to be reflected in players' salaries. We know that the salary cap isn't that high or as high as we'd like it to be. Do you think that Thunder will be able to retain such a wealth of talent going into next year? Well, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? I think when we talk about mix, like one of the questions you asked me at Paul, so need experience. Well, if you'd added in like a Laura Malcolm into that group and an At Metcalf, would that have been a you know, would they have been in the final this year? Um, what Thunder have done exceptionally well is kept a bench full of kids, basically, and mm. a really experienced lineup. So everyone's happy. Like, I mean, they were buzzing at the end of it, and so they should be. They've created such a happy culture. You know, again, why wouldn't you? If you're learning your trade and you're playing behind that Metcalf, you're happy, right? But in three years' time, will Lois Pearson be in the same position if that Metcalf's still there? Probably not. So it's magical for them now. And again, it will be what they choose to do. Do they keep that same group and hope that players will sit on a bench for another year and be okay about it? Or do they go, mm, okay, I think they're fine for a couple of seasons. I think what you'll start to do is see the changes evolve. And what Thunder have always been good at is bringing through their pathway. Um, you know, you, you look at some of the, the players around, they've still got to add Amy Carter into the mix. Uh, you see, think of some of the players that have, have gone from that Thunder group and gone to other teams. So Jody, uh, Gabby Marshall, you know, those players. So they do they do sort of flip, but what you'll find is the core group will always stay there because they love Manchester, they love that team, they love the coaches. Yeah, it's been an incredible, incredible season for them. I think to, to go undefeated, I, I don't think that's been done in quite a few years since maybe Bath a few years ago, I think. 2007, that was us, yes. Wow. Good fact. Oh, wow. That's a long time ago. I can't do the maths and how long ago that was, but <laughs> many, many moons. But yeah, it's, it's been an amazing season overall for all the teams. I think there's so many positives you can take. And looking at all 11 teams and the league in general, the competition has been so fierce and arguably one of the most competitive seasons that we've had. There were lots of kind of mini battles in the table with the top four and the top eight and all the teams had at least three wins in the season, which is a massive improvement. So on the whole, have you been impressed with the performances you've seen from teams and individual players across the league this year? Yeah, I think um, I think we've definitely seen a step up, which is great. It's what we're always asking and striving towards. I think we've re- recruited in some some great names this year. Shadeen has been a standout for me. Maweni, uh, Proscovia Peace. I mean, there's been a huge Inmarie venture, I think, is coming right into our own this season. So I think I think that's helped as well. What we're starting to see now, and this was always going to happen, is is the next crop of England talent. Um, and I think that's what's probably been the most exciting this year for us because, you know, with Serena announcing a pregnancy and retirement, you know, uh, watching players like Joe Hart and Jeeva Mentor, Ebony So Brown, they won't be around forever. But we have to accept we're getting a new, I know, but we, we have to accept there's a new group coming through. So I think I think the most exciting part was, you know, how we've raved about players like Fumi. And I know I've been her biggest fan. And regardless uh, of we whether will challenge she... you there, actually, I think <laughs> yes. you'll find president and CEO of the Fumi <laughs> Sorry. Fan Club. Sorry, I'm just literally like number one on the fan list. Then I'm in your members group. 
Um, <laughs> but I think regardless of whether she gets an opportunity this year at Comets, which may or may not happen, we know we're going to see her in the future. Mm. So we, we've just started to see, like I think Zara Everett's put a hand up for pushing for that squad. I think there's no reason why she couldn't be knocking on that door for Jess Selby. There, there's just been so many players. And that I think that's been the most exciting part for me. We knew it was going to happen. It was when. Well, this, mm. this season has shown us when. Yeah. And I think as well, in terms of score lines, we've had a lot of close games. Actually, 30% of the games this season have been result decided by less than five goals. And I think that will only, you know, get, get closer and closer as the, the teams get better next season in terms of their recruitment. And from an off-court perspective, in terms of the product and the presentation of the league, um, this year we had three games available to watch on Sky or YouTube, um, which is an increase from two years ago. And in the coverage and the conversations that we've had around the league it's been massive massive this year in terms of the quality of that however it wasn't without errors technical issues inconsistencies etc what do you think we need to be prioritizing ahead of next year and is the league in the best position now to take things to the next level in years to come yeah look the league the league in a whole needs to um I'm, I'm not going to sit and point the flame game right it's, it's so funny when something's not funny but when things go technically wrong do you know how many tweets I get like I'm a cameraman <laughs> or I'm a internet queen or something I'm like dude I'm not even working like, <laughs> it's like guys seriously so I, I understand I understand the frustrations that come with it there are still teething problems you know the decisions to go back to home and away venues suit some don't suit all the uh the broadcast is amazing what Sky are putting into it and are trying to do and move it forward is another step in the right direction is it perfect nothing's perfect in netball at the moment that is the reality but they've done a really good job and they and all I can say from working with them is they're continuing to push our sport and strive to push it forward I understand the frustrations but a lot of that comes with uh, the limitations that can happen as well and and that's a bigger picture for for not everybody to be involved in um but I do get it so I think um I'd like to see as I keep harping on a real clear direction of where the league needs to go are we 11 teams are we eight teams are we 22 teams I don't care but just stop jumping around you know are we are we at home and away venue forever is crowd crowd participation what we're trying to get to or are we trying to get views on youtube do we want people watching the live game are we happy that actually youtube afterwards is is the way forward do we want spin-off shows are people going to watch them if they're not what we're doing is it's you know it's it's a constant thing what does brand netball look like and that needs to be led and directed from whoever owns the league and whatever they want to do moving forward and then everybody can jump on board. And don't get me wrong, I think it's better. I think we've done things so much better this year. I've loved even like the little things like um, the rewarding of the umpires this year was brilliant, right? Exactly. I can't tell you how many league games I played. I'm going to guess it was more than 200, right? But no one will have that record anywhere. So, you know, we are, I can't tell you the the caps I had at clubs. I can't tell you what number I was in the squad. We are doing things better than we ever have. You know, there's no win-loss ratio for me as a coach, but it would have been probably quite high. So all those things I will never get, right? So I get everybody's frustrations from their individuals, but we just got to trust that the product needs a a clear direction. We're getting there. Um, And the only thing we can do as fans is keep engaging in the sport. And if we do that, I eventually will get all the changes we want. 
Yeah. It's that thing of, isn't it? It's you can't run before you can walk. And sometimes you're frustrated like a little toddler wanting to you know, crawl all over the place. <laughs> I know. But that, yeah, I'm sure you do. But that is where we are at the moment. And there's so much that we can be proud of about how everyone's come together with this season, you know, and the challenges that we've had over the last few years and how I think netball's really bounced back and, and come to the fore. It's, it's been fantastic to see. And, you know, thank you, Tamsin, for your part that you play in that, in giving us your amazing analysis on Sky and all of the Sky team as well you know we're as fans we're so grateful that we are able to get that coverage and it's been yeah another amazing season oh Tamsin thank you so so much for coming on the podcast again you are our third uh, third time we've been on the podcast mm. with us which is amazing thank you so much for coming back and sharing your amazing insight and wisdom with us and good luck for your new role we cannot wait to see what magic you can work at Mavs Thank you, guys. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Quarter Time. We can't wait to bring you more netball chat for our final episode of season two next week. Final episode. I'm just going to wipe away this little tear. I know. We're going to miss it. I know. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at Quarter Time Pod for the latest netball updates. Do keep getting involved in the conversation online. We love chatting to you. Let us know what you thought of finals weekend and which players have stood out for you across the season. We would also really appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review as it helps other people to find the podcast. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please do let us know and do spread the word with your netball pals so even more people can get involved. Don't forget to check out our partners Carbon Jacked and take advantage of the exclusive 30% netball pod discount on their memberships. Take care, everyone, and see you soon. Bye. Bye.